0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
2: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen.
3: I'm golfing. This is golf attire, Mannix. What's your excuse? You look ridiculous.
1: I'm not leaving the hotel. You look. Rid- what, what is that? You have.
3: It's a tiger, man. A tiger. <laughs> tiger it's a tiger shirt. shirt.
1: You look absurd. Can we just tell the people out there? I play golf once a year, and I almost beat you a few weeks ago. Right. You play golf like three times a week.
3: I was drinking, Mannix. <laughs> I was drinking under. Hot, LA weather, and those beers were going down smoothly.
1: <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst practicing golfer I've ever seen. <laughs> you just. But I bet y'all be a great writer. Well, I think that ship has sailed. Sergio Mora, former junior middleweight champion, the zone broadcaster, future Jake Paul opponent, he joins me here this week on the podcast. We are in Fort Worth, Texas, the site of. Virgil Ortiz, his fight against Michael McKinson. That'll be Saturday. You can watch that uh, on the Zone. We're going to get into that fight, and also a pretty good fight on the undercard. But Sergio, I want to start with last weekend. Danny Garcia made his return from a nearly 20-month layoff. Uh, he beats Jose Benavidez Jr. by decision. Officially, it was a close fight, but the draw scorecard was just awful. I, I thought... Um, Garcia wanted about 118, 110. I thought he looked good at junior middleweight. Um I know Benavidez is not a natural junior middleweight and he has not been the same since that shooting that uh impacted his leg several years ago. But for Danny Garcia to come off a long layoff and to fight and fight that well in his first fight back, not look like he had any ring rust, looking like he had good speed, good accuracy, all the things we got we're used to seeing. From Danny Garcia, that that was about as good as you can get, I thought. From from Garcia, what did you think?
3: Well, look, Benavides is a good fighter. He's a good fighter, and uh, I expected it to go the distance, not only because of the layoff, but Benavides has that background. Um, it was it was a all in all good matchmaking, I believe. Uh, if they would have put him in with someone that he would have just smoked, he wouldn't have learned nothing out of it. So he got twelve rounds out of it. While well, he went the distance, he got every single round of work. And he got a little scared with the scorecards, even though I, I do believe he won uh, clearly. Uh, those are all things that you need going, moving forward. Now, the weight division, I didn't really see a big difference because Benavides is not a, like a, a, a big junior middleweight. So you, we didn't really find out how he's going to handle himself against a natural 154-pounder. So that is the only question mark that was left hanging. But let me touch on something, Maddox. I didn't know that Danny Garcia was struggling with uh, mental with, health issues. With mental health issues. And this is becoming a pandemic itself, you know, after this whole uh, quarantine and everything else. And uh, I know a lot of people in my personal life that are struggling it as well. And this is, like I said, uh, the new epidemic. And fighters. You know, I've always had to deal with things in my camp, that you know, stress and 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 emotional issues and personal issues and family issues, financial, every single issue you could think of while I'm preparing for a fight, and I, I I just gotta I gotta admire fighters that go through it like Danny. He made me tear up, man. I don't even know the guy, you know. When I was watching it, he made me tear up because I, he was so strong. You know, he's like I I went through it. But here I am, man, I'm back. you know, And he kind of wiped the tears and put the smile back on his face. It was a powerful moment, man. And the fact that he did it on the big stage showed you what type of fighter he is.
1: Well, what do you think of that? Because Ryan Garcia came out last year and talked about the mental health issues that he was going through that forced him to take some time off of his career. And while many people were sympathetic to him, there were plenty of people and plenty of people in boxing that were dismissive of it that said, uh, you know, weak. You know, basically implied that he was weak. And even Danny Garcia, you know, in the aftermath of Garcia opening up the way he did, I scroll through Twitter and there are people in boxing, boxers themselves, uh, laughing at it in a way, dismissing it as something that's not legitimate. I mean, what do you think of that? Listen, man, I'm not going to get canceled on your show,
3: so I'm not going to tell you, you know, everything that i that i feel but fighters let me just put it like this fighters don't believe in weakness we can't we cannot let that permeate our body is that the word permeate Uh, we can't let it break through our body and our skin because we just need every form of strength especially mentally so to admit that you have an issue Going on in your head when you have a big fight coming up, it's just going to be a problem. That stigma they're going to they're going to apply to your name, that that reputation you're going to have afterwards. It's not a good look, man. it's You know, and it's sad to say, but I'm I'm. It's just you can't allow it. You can't allow it. That's
1: why a lot of you fighters don't have a choice, though. So that's it's why a lot like of fighters
3: don't 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 let you know about it. That's right. why a lot but, of But nobody's you know going to sit there
1: and say Danny Garcia is not tough. Like, Danny oh, Garcia whoever was Whoever said that, I'll slap them themselves. No, but I like, would that's literally the implication. Slap them that's the implication. If you are, like, criticizing Danny for crying and opening up like that, you're implying that he should be mentally tougher. And that's, I think that's just dead wrong. Danny G- Garcia grew up on the streets of Philly. His father obviously went through all the things he went through. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it has anything to do with toughness and... and how mentally tough you are. Sometimes these things happen to you.
3: Those same people saying that he's not tough for crying probably cried when they watched The Notebook or E.T. or something. You cried when you watched The Notebook. Yes, I did. I cried when I watched Shawshank Redemption. I'm an emotional person, Mannix. I got heart here. In and out of the ring, I got heart. Do not.
1: Um, Again, even the people that were... To bring it back to Ryan Garcia for a second. Even the people that were... Praising Danny Garcia were some of the same people that were criticizing Ryan Garcia. I mean, Ryan Garcia was one of the first boxers to come out and say, I'm dealing with some mental health issues and he got killed for it by a lot of different well, people. Well, was-
3: he, he got, he got, he got a lot of criticism because he said that he canceled the fight and then he posted pictures that he was in an island yeah, with a beautiful cares? woman. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I get saw Rick Borigian,
1: who I know, uh, he said something about that on Twitter, too, and that made me kind of cringe. Um, the manager for Jose that's, Ramirez, is another. That's what you're like, He about. just that, that bothered me because who cares where you are or what you're doing to get yourself right? If Ryan Garcia just needed a break from boxing and a break from everything, he's entitled to do that. If he wants to do it, on an island with a girlfriend, fine. Danny Garcia apparently chose to do it at home with his father, with his new child. Okay, it, I don't think it really matters where it you doesn't. spend your time.
3: It doesn't, because no matter where you go, you can't get away from yourself. I think that's a music lyric, but yeah, you can't get away from yourself. So you're gonna feel that that anxiety, you're gonna feel that, that whether it's depression or anger, no matter where you go whether you're in paradise or not so i think this is going to be a new thing that and i say new because now it's allowed by promoters before you'll get you know you wouldn't get a date before if you cancel a big fight like this or they'll, or they'll blackball you or they'll, or they'll put you aside or, they will, or they'll give you a smaller fight a lot of times you'll get punished for this it happened in my career promoters will punish you for canceling especially the closer the fight is uh not only that but networks are going to start having you know their doubts saying well look you know how about if he has another uh, uh problem uh, these are all things that are new to boxing, and we're evolving as we go. And this this new mental uh, issue, anxiety, depression—it's it's here to stay, man. It's only going to get
1: worse. You know what struck me was when Danny Garcia was talking to Jim Gray in the ring afterwards, and talking about how you know, kind of, and even at the press conference afterwards, talking about how he kind of started crying. You know, he was just you know, just for no reason, was crying before Daryl Spence fight. That story. Is almost identical to Ryan Garcia's story. Ryan Garcia told me the exact same thing when he went into the gym. Last summer, and then he was out of the gym. He had to leave. He's driving around with his tr- with his manager, Lupe Valencia, and he said, "I just started crying, mm-hmm. and I couldn't stop crying. I didn't know why I was crying." Like the the stories are identical. That tells me that, this is very real.
3: That is the power of the mind, and and you can't escape those thoughts. I bet you they think about it morning, afternoon, and night. They can't get away from from those from those thoughts, and uh, the the repetitive feeling of of that anxiety has to get. To anybody and break people down, and and if the only release is crying, shoot, it's better than other vices that you know fighters have relied on, including myself, <laughs> outside of the ring. Many you know, for you. so look, fighters have always dealt with and their 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 issues by you know, drinking or drugs or womanizing or gambling or, or skydiving, any any adrenaline rush Just that can compare with it.
1: More greatest hits right there.
3: Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm about to go golf. <laughs> no, but listen, we, we go chasing a thrill. We go chasing something, and then finally we realize that we're chasing an empty ghost. We're the issue. We're the problem. But if you could figure that out early in your, in your life and your career, maybe you can, you know, uh, transition out of it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's good to see Danny Garcia back, healthy physically, mentally, and ready to go. Um, I like what he was saying afterwards. I know Tony Harrison called him out and wants a fight against Garcia at 154. Obviously, Jamel Charlo is yeah. out there at 154. Danny doesn't seem all interested in those types no of fights. Danny's looking way. at you know, a Keith Thurman rematch. I'm already
3: nodding my, my head. Yeah,
1: Keith Thurman rematch, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense for him. Thurman yeah. gave him the first loss of his professional career. He's looking for a fight. If Thurman moves up to 154, it's not like you're taking on a true junior middleweight. And, you know, look, he, he keeps talking about Arislandi Lara as a title holder at middleweight. To be clear, Lara is a fake title holder at middleweight. He has the secondary WBA belt. But if he wants to fight Arislandi Lara at 155, that's okay too. Lara's well past his prime, and that's a decent fight for Danny Garcia. So one thing Danny showed in the ring is that he's still in his mid-30s, a high-level guy, and should get in with another high-level guy Close to his size as he moves his career forward.
3: Yeah, like a uh, uh, overweight welterweight will be fine with me. It's not not someone too tall. You know, you got this. You got this six foot four kid now, uh, Sebastian Fundora. Fundora. Yeah. You want to you wanna stay away from Fundora. You want to stay away. You want to stay away from anyone that's over five foot eleven or five five foot ten. Even, even Charlo too. Charlo's even a pure Charlo's too big. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to blown up welterweights, guys that are um, that still have a name and uh, you're bound to find one Thurman is the perfect one because he got history and and Thurman's coming off a layoff. he's been inactive as well, but he's still he's still a power powerful puncher. both of those guys are are experienced power punchers, so that's a, that's a perfect fight right there.
1: yeah, I agree All right. We are here in Texas for the Virgil Ortiz Michael Mckinson fight in New York. We were supposed to see a fight between your pal Jake Paul and Asim rockman jr uh that fight was canceled last week because rockman could not make the contracted weight of two hundred pounds, could not make the contracted weight of two hundred and five pounds. Sergio, the uh there's been a lot of back and forth between Jake Paul and Rachman over the last few days. Jake Paul saying, look, he agreed to go from two hundred to two oh five. Rachman said he couldn't make anything lower <sighs> than two fifteen. Rachman saying Jake should have moved up. Where do you fall? What do you who do you side with in this uh this dispute?
3: We're really gonna go we are and talk about jake paul
1: we're talking about because you want to fight the guy anyway i would
3: love to fight the guy just to shut him up just to take him out of the equation the boxing equation but it's not going to happen man it's because he's not going to fight a real fighter especially a good one who's
1: the last fighter you shut up
3: it just does not man i i I shut traps that's what i do (laughs) i slap people for fun (laughs) No, listen, man. Uh, this guy, he's just not going to go away. So I got to accept him. All right, we're talking about Jake Paul.
1: I asked you, who do you blame? Who do I'm you about to tell
3: game? you. Whenever a fight gets canceled, you either blame blame the promoter for not checking up on on their fighters and not seeing that they're on weight or they can make that weight, or you blame their own camp for not weighing their team, not weighing or keeping his fighter on track to make weight. You can blame. The fighter himself for not taking the fight serious. Ultimately, it's the fighter. It all comes down to the fighter, man. It's, if 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 it's the fighter that puts his name on the dot for a certain weight uh, that he agreed to, the fighter does that. The manager doesn't do it. The promoter doesn't do it. That nobody does it. You do it. You go to the gym every day and you're gonna put it a hundred percent. You're gonna say, all right, seventy five percent today. Man, I don't feel so good today. Today's sixty. Today's an off day. You're gonna tell. You're gonna gauge how much work you could put every single day to make that weight you know if you got to lose 16 pounds and how much weight how much what he had three weeks about four weeks oh yeah. my god i i've done that before i've lost 11 pounds in one day <laughs> in one and i'm skinny this dude's a heavyweight so no that wasn't one it was an excuse and a lame one at that anybody anybody that was in the boxing business could tell you that was a lame excuse he had uh four weeks five weeks to make you know, to lose 16 pounds? Ridiculous. You can lose three pounds a day, and that's in a somewhat safety way. So, no, they wanted out of that fight for other reasons. You want the straight truth? I'm starting to believe these rumors that they weren't selling that fight at MSG. They weren't selling tickets. Uh, it was going to be a, a total dud of a show, and the whole uh, Jake Paul persona or image of him being a, the, the new thing of boxing was going to go out the window. That's the real story.
1: Well, you don't know that. and You don't I, know it either. I don't, but... Yeah, cause I, and then I don't say it because I don't know it. <laughs> but I, I believe that Jake Paul, Asim Rahman, even with Amanda Serrano in the undercard, was going to be a tough sell at MSG. It's very difficult right. to sell out the big room at Madison Square Garden. I also believe that Jake Paul, Asim Rahman, was going to be a tough sell on pay per view because Asim Rahman has no following whatsoever. And Jake Paul, in all his previous fights, has been able to point to and take on guys. With followings, whether it has been Tyron Woodley a couple of times, some of the lesser known guys, Ben Askren, Nate Robinson, you go down the list of the handful of guys that Jake Paul has fought. So I think there's some truth to that fight not selling like they would have hoped. But I don't think that's why they canceled the fight. They canceled the fight because the New York State Athletic Commission was monitoring the weight loss of Asim Rahman. They said a a couple of weeks ago, listen, you can't make 200 pounds in a safe way. We're not going to sanction it above 205. To Jake Paul's credit, he said he'd go up to 205 for that fight. He'd jump up and fight him at a weight about 15 pounds heavier than he's ever fought. I don't blame this okay, on Jake well then, Paul. Sergio, hold on, Sergio, well then, there hold, on you go. hold on. They what? shouldn't
3: have had that fight at in New York where they have stringent rules like oh, that. Oh, God,
1: yeah. Why wouldn't you have a fight in a city where there's rules? Yeah. Oh, my you, God. Don't you want don't you no, go to there's you go to West Virginia?
3: Come on now. You know that th- there's different rules and different sanction— uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, union rules. Yes. That, look, MSG is very expensive to, to rent out. That's not what we're talking
1: about. That's no, very
3: expensive, and then the, the, the New York admission. I've dealt with them before. Very, very strict. Which they should be. Yeah, but not all states are like that.
1: Fine, but you, I don't criticize the New York Athletic Commission for saying, look, Haseem Rachman, we don't want you cutting to a weight that you've never fought at before and doing it in an unhealthy way. This that is That goes first to well, show you Sergio, what type of
3: unprofessional he is, right?
1: I agree. This is where we agree, right? If you're Haseem Rockman, don't sign the contract if you can't make the weight. That's one. Making the weight is part of a fighter's job. One. You That's know. one. That's
3: one. Two is make the fight fucking weight even though you already you you know you're gonna put yourself in 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 risk all right i'm just gonna put it out plainly the the faster you lose the weight the riskier it is but every fighter does it every fighter does it when we sign a contract we have two jobs promote the fight make weight and then fight that's it that's that's what we do we're robots we're programmed for that he could have made the weight. He just got lazy. I'm gonna put it out there. Hasim Rachman Jr. got lazy. Then he started fearing, all right, what well what, I'm gonna be a shell of myself if I lose 16 pounds in four weeks. Nonsense. You got lightweights doing that. We do it for a living. We fight and make weight, and we lose a lot of weight. We've been doing this since we're 15 years old. We know our body. The only time that becomes an issue is when you start getting to your late 30s and your your your, your system doesn't work and break down uh, a weight anymore. That's when you start having this. Issues not when you're a mid 20s or however well, he's old early he's
1: 30s. He's early 30s. J- okay, Seem well, Rahman. there you go.
3: I don't know, I don't know the entire situation behind it, but all I know is if you really wanted to make weight and collect that check, he, he would have done it.
1: Look, Kasim Rahman at the opening press conference for this fight, he was asked directly about making that weight. He said, No problem. Said, I did it in the amateurs, won't be that big a deal. I just said that, but his father. You know, kind of foreshadowed something bad. Here. His father had said, "Look, my son has underachieved during his career. He's yeah. not taking things as the seriously. rock.
3: The during rock called career. him lazy. Yeah. He called his son lazy, and Did. and he got praised for that. Yeah, the and champ he might, got It looks like for he was that.
1: right. It looks like he was right about that.
3: There you go. He's right. So the, he has a lazy son that didn't want to put in the work, and he caused them the entire promotions, millions of dollars got squandered, and everyone lost out because you bet on the wrong guy. You know who won't let you down? Don't say you. Me." i've always made weight baby i've I'll always see this on made weight. i'll give you
1: that like how many pounds over were you when you started training for the forest rematch
3: i was 28 pounds overweight <laughs> and mind you i'm skinny where, where where does that weight come from
1: caesar's I'm, palace i'm telling you right six. now
3: so yeah uh making weight is the most crucial thing but look that's our livelihood so if you want to get paid make weight
1: how the fuck do you lose 28 pounds in six weeks I'll show you how to do it because you, <laughs> you can lose about 22, my friend. I don't think so. I'm down a lot more than lately. Um, all right, let's move on to the fight we're at this weekend. Virgil Ortiz against Michael McKinson. This was a fight that was originally scheduled for March of this year. Ortiz had to pull out because of a muscle and blood condition um, that affected him. He had to be hospitalized uh, for Michael McKinson. Stayed on the card, fought a guy named Alex Martin. He won. Um, and now he's back with another shot at Virgil Ortiz Um, let's start with Virgil Ortiz for a minute here I've been watching a lot of the press coverage of Ortiz some of the press stuff he's done on YouTube he seems like a guy he's angry angry. he's very angry I loved it man but what do you make of that like Ortiz seems to he he seems to have he seems to have heard or read everything everybody said about him over the last uh, few months I, I don't I don't know how much criticism he's deserved, but whatever he's been criticized, he has taken that to heart, and he seems to be using that going into this fight.
3: I think, uh, again, every fighter, they usually when, once they have their first loss, they get that taste of defeat and bitterness. Once they start reading and hearing and seeing all the people that turned against them, and it's not they're turning against them; they're doing their job. It's just when you're young, when you're young, and 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 you know you don't expect to lose yeah of course you're going to retaliate and that's what Vic uh, Virgil Ortiz is doing but I'll, I'll tell you what i love it because we, we're not used to seeing that side we're used to seeing you know virgil be a humble guy playing the guitar being like a you know one of the one of these uh renaissance men and then he's a killer inside the ring but we got a little tony montana coming out of virgil ortiz like no man i'm gonna go down after you i'm going after you i'm taking care of all family business and he started with uh ryan o'hara he let him have it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be doing no interviews with you, and he did it real respectfully. But you can see the spike come out. I loved it. I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it, Maddox. I hope he goes after you next.
1: Well, I don't know what well, he can go after whoever he wants. But I didn't feel like he deserved criticism for what happened in the last fight. If it's true that he had this condition that caused him to be hospitalized, which, if you read up on it, it's a potentially life-threatening condition. That's not something that should be joked about or something that should be criticized for. I will say this. I did an interview during that broadcast of McKinson, Alex Martin with Bernard Hopkins and Bernard Hopkins in that interview suggests that Virgil Ortiz should move up in weight. That was, was his suggestion um, during the broadcast. So it was his own promotional team that was talking about, maybe it's a weight issue. Maybe it's something uh, that he should address by moving uh, up in weight. but by all accounts, as we record this on Thursday, Ortiz seems to be in good condition. Seems like he's going to make 147 pounds. And now he gets Michael McKinson, who is an undefeated uh, welterweight. Uh, only two knockouts on his resume, so he doesn't have a lot of power. But his nickname, Sergio, is the problem. I'll ask you this. How big a problem can Michael McKinson be for Virgil Ortiz?
3: The real question, Manix, is how long of a problem can he be for Virgil Ortiz? Because he will be a problem early in the fight. That's the reason he's undefeated. That's the reason he he beats undefeated fighters. I mean, the last uh, he, he's beaten four undefeated fighters. in The last six fight in six fights. That's impressive. I mean, most fighters try to avoid undefeated fighters. He's not. So he's willing to take on all comers. We know that. In his last fight, he went through what four opponents, different opponents. He accepted every one of them. That's a rarity. Fighters don't do that. They'll just cancel the fight. That shows you what type of mentality he has. And then, obviously, once he gets in the ring, he's, he's one of these fighters, and he reminds me a little bit of myself, a little bit of Tevin Farmer, a little bit of these guys that, that have a lot of speed, a lot of skill, have a high fight IQ, but they also know that they're not punchers, so they're not going to put themselves in, in a puncher's way. So they make it difficult for, for not only the boxer, but the fans and everyone watching. But you know what? We win. And anyone that can carry a game plan from beginning to end, not giving a shit what anybody thinks and come out with a victory, they're a problem. We're going to see if he can carry that problematic style into the second half of the fight because he's going to do it for six rounds. I promise you he will do it for six rounds. Once he gets out of that sixth round, that's when hell gets unleashed. And that's what we're going to see what he's made of. But he's a he's just as tall. He's a muscular guy. He's a pretty big guy once you see him in person, and I think he's gonna he's gonna fit in nicely with Virgil size wise. So I I, I even go I, I even go as far as to say he gets stopped very late, or he might even make it cross the finish line. But I, I just don't see him winning rounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, survival there might be a win for Michael McKenzie. Yeah. going being the first guy to go the distance with Virgil Ortiz might be a win here for Michael McKenzie because I don't know how he wins. Like I, I just Virgil is such a great pressure fighter and you know you look at his last couple of fights he fought maurice hooker who's well known for having an excellent jab he fought agus kavaloskis who has an excellent jab virgil ortiz threw better jabs than both yeah, of them, in both those of them. Yeah. yeah and he knocked kavaloskis down twice with what looked like a jab they were jabs to the gut too yeah i mean he was putting him down with jabs. Power this guy's jabs. got blunt power all over the place so uh i think for mckinson it's more about can he survive then can he win? I just don't. He can make it ugly. He can probably mix it up a little bit with Ortiz, uh, tie him up. But, you know, Ortiz fought this way against Brad Solomon, another mover several years ago. It took him a little bit of time to get to Brad Solomon, but he eventually did and knocked him out.
3: But McKinson has more things in his favor. not just he does. That. He has the inactivity. You know, first time Virgil's been out of, out of the ring this long. He has a new team that he has to build this new chemistry with. Um, now, what do you make of that? He's working with Manny Robles now. <laughs> Many, anyone with Manny Robles, or or Robert Garcia, or Freddie Roach, or any of these West Coast great trainers, I never worry because they, they they're just so great at what they do. So they can mold. Dan, uh, Dan Goosen's another one. It's up to Joe the fighter. Joe Goosen. Uh, Joe. I'm sorry, Joe Goosen. Rest in peace, Dan. Um, no, it, it's up to the fighter of how fast he catches up. It's not the trainer. They they're just gonna train the fighter exactly the same way they train their whole stable it's up to the fighter to adapt and evolve so it's not up to the trainer it's up to the fighter
1: yeah I I mean I did find it curious that Virgil Ortiz undefeated 18 knockouts leaves Robert Garcia to go work with Manny Robles but you know it's his career and Manny Robles is a very good trainer uh himself the sideline of this Sergio is that in the building on Saturday night will be Terrence Crawford he's there in support of uh Maurice Hooker his stable mate Crawford's here in the hotel right now in Texas. Uh, Crawford right now is negotiating a deal with Errol Spence. Those negotiations from what I've been told and what Steven Espinosa at Showtime has publicly said are kind of at a little bit of a stalemate right now. There's been a bit of a pause on those negotiations. Uh, Virgil Ortiz would be in line to face Terrence Crawford in his next fight if Crawford versus Spence cannot be made. Do you think he's ready for that kind of fight?
3: Uh, Virgil's ready, but I don't. I think he's ready to compete. I don't think he's ready to beat, you know, a, a, a Bud Crawford. But, yeah, I think he can go in there and, and make it a hell of a fight. I just think after that, the, the technique and the experience and, and just the pound-for-pound pound skill that Crawford brings to the table will, will, will outmatch the youth. But, uh, yeah, he's ready. Virgil Ortiz, what, ranked number one?
1: Rank right, number one by the WBO.
3: You don't get ranked that highly unless you can, you're ready for a world title. So, yes, he's ready for, for anybody, anybody. And I'm talking about Errol Spence. I'm talking about all these other names. But can he beat them? Can he cross the finish line? Can he carry a – he, what's he going to do when, when plan A and B aren't working, which he's going to need. He's going to need a plan C and D with these guys. And that is where you start questioning it. Uh, and then that's, that's when you learn. That's when you learn. Like when, you know, Canelo lost with Mayweather. He learned. You know, when uh when uh what was a recent one that you said it was gonna be a good loss for him. There's a lot of losses that are learning. They're not just mm. really bad for your career. You pick something up and you move on.
1: Yeah, it's it's an excellent fight. And if I'm Golden Boy and the Spence Crawford fight falls apart, I move quickly to make Crawford versus Ortiz, because that's a big fight in Texas and Southern Huge. California, wherever you go. And Ortiz can't be discounted. Like he's got power and Crawford Now in his mid-30s, maybe slow down a little bit, and that could be a fight that Virgil Ortiz could even pull off an upset and get a win. All right, finally, on the undercard of this show is what I think is going to be the best fight of the show. Woo! Maurice Hooker, former 140-pound champion, going up against Blair the Flair Cobbs in a welterweight fight. Sergio, this is exactly what an undercard fight should look like. You've got a crossroads fight between two guys over the age of 30 who are looking to get back in contention. Both these guys coming off knockout losses for Hooker. It was a year plus ago against Virgil Ortiz. For Blair Cobbs, more recently against Alexis Rocha. The winner will get right back into the welterweight picture for a big fight. The loser, probably done as a high-level fighter or at least a contender in the 147-pound division. What do you think of this fight?
3: No, not probably. They are... um they are, because they realize not only, especially if they lose by another knockout. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's phases in a fighter's career, and they're in their 30s already. They already experienced what it's like to fight a, a formidable opponent. It's not even championship level. Alexis Rocher wasn't a championship fighter yet, but he got, it was a it was a hell of a fight, Blair Cobbs. He put on a good show. They were the main event, but he came up short and got stopped by, by a guy that hasn't proven himself on the championship level either. So you already got stopped by someone that's not that... Maurice Hooker at least got stopped by champions. He has amateur pedigree. He's already picked up a strap. And he's only lost to, you know, really, you know, hard punchers. Ramirez, a beast. You know, so Virgil Ortiz, a future beast. And, and he's proved it on the championship level because he's beaten Former champions, Ortiz has. So I just that's why I got to favor Maurice Hooker in this fight. The technique, the long jab, the 80-inch span, you know, to get past that. And then the body shots for a tall fighter. He has Very he good body excellent punching. body punching. Um, yeah, I just think it's going to be too much for uh, Flair, uh, uh, Blair Flair because uh Cobbs has a bad... A, a bad thing about leaving his chin up mm. and it cost him with rocha you know once the fight starts getting into the later rounds his technique goes out the window and it's going to catch him in this fight as well but i do like one thing that Cobb's is bringing i like the mindset that he's bringing you know he's not the he, he's not the the showman he's not getting the, the attention he's not the, doing the self-promoting he's been real humble he's been real quiet and that's We're what getting a lot, knocked
1: out can do that to you that's
3: what a loss does to you so now he knows hey wait a minute you know, I'm I'm not as good as I said I was, and I better shut up and just win now. And I think that's what he's doing. I saw him at the uh, we we're eating dinner last night here in the uh, in the hotel, and I tried to get some things out of him before the fighter meeting, and he's real quiet, real real subdued. That's the word, subdued. Mm. And uh, he's now, nah, man, I'm I'm just I'm just ready. You know, he could see the hunger in his eye, but he didn't want to talk. He wanted to fight. And that's what you want out of fighters. You don't want you want more fighting than talking. And I think we're going to see that. It's going to be a hell of a fight.
1: Yeah, I, I on paper I favor Maurice Hooker um, for all the reasons you kind of laid out there. The wild card in all this is that Hooker has been really inactive. You know, he has fought what twice now since 2019. That loss to Jose Ramirez. One was that 44 second destruction he had. Uh, you know, months after the uh, ramirez loss uh, the other was that loss knockout loss to virgil ortiz where he fought some pretty well early in that fight but then broke his hand and was getting beat up towards the very end uh, so that's a bit of an unknown like what is hooker going to look like after this long layoff and Cobbs, even though he was knocked out maybe a little bit sharper because he was back in the ring back in march but all things being equal i look at hooker he has been stopped twice But he has been stopped twice at the highest levels. He was stopped by Jose Ramirez. He was stopped by Virgil Ortiz. Cobbs not only was stopped by Alexis Rocha, but you go back even further. He was knocked down by Steve Villalobos. He was knocked down by Carlos Ortiz. Like he has been, he's vulnerable with that chin that's out there. So I think Hooker, if he's right, if he's the Maurice Hooker we've seen for the last few years, should be able to win this fight and should be able to to do it by knockout. But I give both these guys a lot of credit for stepping in and taking this fight. Cobbs could have come back on maybe an untelevised undercard fight, made a couple of bucks, worked his way back into contention, but just, what, five months after getting knocked out, he's back in the ring, and he's facing... Another contender at 147. So all credit to these guys for doing it.
3: All credit for everybody involved in this, even the matchmaker. Shout out Robert Diaz, a promotion. You know, Golden Boy putting their 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 uh, fighter that that could be an attraction, a future attraction, you know, in with another fighter uh, of a Hooker's caliber. But that's another thing that you got to touch on. Hooker has had issues making weight before. He he blows up in weight. He well, gets not really
1: 140, not 147. One forty 140 yeah. had issues making weight.
3: Well, at 140 he had issues, but he's still a tall, growing fighter, and he fills out. You know, really, yeah, really nicely. So maybe uh, he's very lean, though. In, I'm lean, and I was 28 pounds
1: overweight. Wait, yeah, but you made once. Yeah, but that's because you drank your face. <laughs> no, off man, at I Caesars. like food
3: too. I like okay, fine delicacies. Okay, you ate delicacies. your face off at Caesars. I, I ate and drank, but yes. Uh, so there's another did they, thing. Did
1: they, they cop you a room every night there?
3: Man, they caught me for weeks. <laughs> Shout out Caesar's Palace. What's up, shakes? Um, no, but uh, you know, whenever, whenever you're, whenever you're inactive, not only does it affect you mentally, but physically because you grow, you you grow into that weight. So you know, Hooker has has had weight issues, even if it's at 140, they're weight issues, and I think they're just gonna go up to 147. Uh, and and with Cobb's, I've heard that he had, you know, he's been knocked out in sparring.
1: Yeah. You know, yes. So
3: so not only has, has it happened you know, uh, in, in a live fight, it's happened in sparring. So maybe that doubt is starting to go into his head, realizing that maybe he's not cut out for this. So this is going to be win or go home, and that's what we're here for. So shout out everyone involved, because that's the type of fight that fans want to see, and Texas has rabid fans.
1: Yeah, one of the best undercard fights that you could make out there, and all leads up to the main event. Virgil Ortiz, Michael McKinson. All right, Sergio, go golf. Tea time, baby. When we come back...
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
4: Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena.
1: Selena.
4: Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota.
1: Fight fans, come out swinging with a no-sweat first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING. Bet on who will win, knockouts, when the fight will end, and so much more. So if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join now with the promo code BOXING to get a no-sweat first bet. That's up to one thousand dollars back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, Virgil Ortiz is here, welterweight contender. He is back in the ring on Saturday when takes on Michael McKinson. That's a fight you can see live on the Zone. First fight, and have, you, have you ever had this much time off in between fights? No, and it sucks because <laughs> <laughs> I like to stay fighting. What's it? What's it been like? Kind of sitting out, going through everything that you've gone through. What's that been like for you?
5: Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's a little depressing, you know, because it's like, uh, how do I say this? You know, it's a, I don't want to compare it to the Great Depression where everyone, no one's working and all that stuff. But that's that's kind of what I guess I had a little taste of it. You know, I I'm just at home. I feel like a bum. I'm not doing anything. I I'm used to working hard and working hard every day. And when I go from that. And just not fighting for a whole year, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I have no purpose. So it, it was really hard. Just some people would think that, oh, that's the life. You're not doing nothing. You're just staying home. But it's a it's a hard thing to go through when uh, you know you're supposed to be doing something.
1: Yeah, because people knew you as a seven day a week kind of workout guy. Like you want to be back in action. Yeah. as much as man must have been really tough to have to sit on the sidelines and deal with your issue with the medical issue and then get back into the flow.
5: Yeah, I mean, you basically said it. So it's just uh, I'm, I'm very happy to finally uh, be stepping back into the ring. You know, even even all this stuff, I missed it. You know, I, I'm genuinely happy to leave my house right now and uh, to be doing this stuff.
1: So clarify for people exactly what happened before the last fight, because when it was revealed, your diagnosis, you had people like me, too, Going on WebMD to try to figure yeah. out what exactly your illness was.
5: Yeah, so I'll tell you what people thought it was. Mm. People thought that my weight was too high, and I'm over here trying to lose it too much, and uh, I had too much weight to lose. That wasn't it. People thought I was on steroids. You know, that was obviously that's not it. You know, I, I'm freaking uh, invader. You know, I am in that stuff, and I don't need to take it. I got natural power, I guess. But uh, so what the story was is uh, so it's no secret that I was going to train with Canelo. And uh, in October, I started training in October to get ready for my fight. In January, I was supposed to fight McKinson in January. Mm-hmm. And we were going to head out to the Canelo camp after his fight against Plant because he fought him in November. So we're like, all right, we're going to get ready for the Canelo camp. So we make sure we're in shape, whatever comes in our way, because we don't know what to expect. So we're, so we're training already hardcore October, November, December. December comes around uh, the camp. uh didn't go uh, as we thought it was we weren't getting sparring you know it's the holidays Not no one's really fighting around the holidays you know what this isn't working out you know we we need a better camp this is not going to work out so we we didn't fight January we fought March so then January February March, October November December January February, March that's six months of hardcore training if if people know how I trained they know how hard I trained my body just couldn't take it no more mm-hmm. by the time March came so my body was literally breaking down how scary was it to
1: you know, go into a hospital and be diagnosed with something, which I'm sure you were Googling yourself. Yeah.
5: I mean, they told me this word that I didn't even know how to pronounce. I didn't know how to spell. Like, i, I still know how to pronounce this? it. I'm going to try to,
1: I'll have it before I go on air on Saturday. I'll know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know,
5: I mean, I definitely think a, a lot of people were definitely more scared than I was. People thought I was dying. Mm. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would have got to that point if I kept, maybe if I even would have fought, but you know, luckily we caught it in time. Uh, but you know, as we were getting closer to the fight, my body just kept breaking down and breaking down. We thought it was fatigueness. We thought it was going to go away, just normal fatigueness. It wasn't going away. My body just wasn't taking it anymore. And uh, when they, honestly, when they told me that it was, they actually identified the problem, I was a little relieved mm-hmm. because to me, it was like, dude, what's the problem? Uh, how are we going to prevent this from happening again? Or what, you know? So when they told me that there is a problem and they know exactly what it is, I was like, ah, okay, we know what it is. You know, it's kind of like it's not a mystery anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like people are afraid of the dark, not because of the dark, but what's in it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's something like that. We know what the problem is, so
1: we know basically. So you talked about you were going to train with Canelo. Now you're with Manny Robles. I think it surprised a lot of people that you left Robert Garcia to begin with. You were undefeated on a championship path. Walk me through kind of that decision, why you decided to make the change.
5: I mean, it's honestly, it's nothing, like, personal or anything. You know, it's just business. We just feel like
1: uh,
5: if you need to make a move, you need to make a move. You know, that's that's just the bottom line. It's just- what
1: Did it have anything to do with the fact that Robert didn't go to your fight and went to Josh Franco's fight?
5: No, at least not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I They never asked me, but if they were to ask me, I would have told Robert to go to Josh's fight because he, he needed him. Mm-hmm. Josh needed uh, Robert more than I did. I had my dad that's been training me since I was five. Mm. So I I definitely would have pushed Robert that way anyways if he would have asked me.
1: So Manny Robles has been in the game a long time. Has he added something to what you're doing? Is he? I mean, what what difference ha, can or will Manny Robles have with you?
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, first of all, they have a lot of youngsters there. They, they definitely push me. They look up to me. But I look at them as teammates, and I love watching them spar. They're very competitive towards each other, and I love that. It reminds me of my gym uh, back in uh, Dallas. And uh, Manny, Manny's a definitely very knowledgeable uh, trainer. He definitely has added some stuff into me, mm-hmm. and I, I like the way that I'm looking right now.
1: You are coming off uh, probably your best win against Kavalaskis, where you fought a warrior, you knocked out the guy, knocked him out before and Bud Crawford knocked him out. As you look back on that fight, what do you take away from it? Do you feel like that was the best performance of your career? Mm. And you're a very difficult—you you grade yourself poorly, I know, at times. <laughs> Every time I've interviewed you, you don't always say it's the best.
5: No, I wouldn't say it's the best. Uh, I would say the Herrera fight was my best. You know, I, I I think I made, like, two mistakes in that fight where I shouldn't have made. Mm. Uh, but I think that was my best fight. The Kavlowski fight was definitely the fight that I feel like I proved to everyone, including me, mm. that I belong up there. Mm. So—
1: and now you get Michael McKinson, again, a very different kind of fighter than Kabalaskis. I've kind of thought he looked a little bit like Brad Solomon. I'm sure you've heard that comparison before Slick. does How do you feel about this matchup specifically? I think it's a very good matchup. You know, I
5: mean, you got people thinking that I'm going to lose. When you got people thinking I'm going to lose, then you know it's a good fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I, I welcome the opinions. I don't care if you're rooting against me or not. Mm-hmm. So it's,
1: uh, it's very
5: competitive, and you're just going to
1: have to wait and see. You have said this feels like you have to prove yourself to some people again. Why do you feel that way? I think because I've been off a year, people have just simply forgotten
5: how I am in the ring. So I just got to remind them.
1: got to come out to that Roy Jones song. Y'all must (laughs) have forgot. (laughs) For real. Uh, Last thing for you. Um, For the second time in two or three years, you'll be fighting uh, in front of Bud Crawford will be in the crowd as well. I know you're not thinking about Bud Crawford. You're thinking about Michael McKinson. You've always been focused on the guy in front of you. But the... Last time you did it, in the ring after, you said, Bud, I'm ready for it. You want that fight. Bud's dealing with his own stuff right now. But if that fight came along later this year, would you feel like you're ready for it?
5: I think so. You know, that, that's definitely a fight I wouldn't pass up. Um, like you said, he's definitely tied up right now. So don't ask me that question if I, I'm going to call him out or not. He has his own thing going on. I'm not going to clout chase or anything like that. So
1: Not even in the ring afterwards if you win. You wouldn't say anything?
5: No, I'll just i would tell them to hurry up, <laughs> make a decision. But <laughs> I, I mean, you, we don't know what's going on between the deals. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So
1: it's boxing. There wouldn't
5: be, exactly. wouldn't be boxing without the drama. Exactly. So,
1: well, Virgil, welcome back, man. Glad to see you back in the ring. You're always exciting. And uh, I think there's going to be an interesting fight against McKinson. And hopefully we see you real active for the next couple of years. Thank you. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>
1: You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
4: Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena.
1: Selena.
4: Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Consider us your star sleuths, your cheese my besties, digging beneath los mejores exitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons.
1: Hey, you know what, my boo? You're
3: my favorite icon.
4: Aw, Joseph!
3: Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Toro Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, it's time now for this week's picks, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel and... I really hope you've been gambling with me for these last couple of months. Because if you have, you'd probably be heading into the fall with a lot more money in your pocket. Last week, told you to pick Danny Garcia. That was kind of an easy one. Danny Garcia was a pretty significant favorite going up against Jose Benavidez Jr. But I told you to take Danny Garcia by decision. That was a lot narrower odds. What does Garcia do? He goes out and wins by decision. Got a little bit nervous when that first scorecard was read, a draw? Sitting there thinking, was boxing going to screw me again? But Danny Garcia, he comes away with a decision win. Now, bit of a light weekend this weekend with the Jake Paul-Asim Rahman card uh, canceled. But I am locked in on the Virgil Ortiz-Michael McKinson-Welterweight fight. Now, Ortiz is a massive favorite in this one. Minus 1,600, according to FanDuel. It's almost not worth Making that bet. If you want to make the bet, you want to load up. I think Virgil Ortiz wins one way or the other. McKinson, undefeated, but only two knockouts on his resume. He's slick. He's complicated. He might make life difficult for Ortiz in terms of getting that knockout, but I don't see any way that Michael McKinson wins. So it's pretty much a lock in my mind that Ortiz wins this fight. Now, the method of victory is where you have an opportunity to make some money. Ortiz by knockout is minus 290. So he's still going to put some money up to get some money back on a bet like that. But this is a guy with 18 wins, 18 knockouts. He's excellent at fighting southpaws, or at least he has been the couple of times that he's done it. McKinson is a southpaw. And I liken this fight with Michael McKinson to a fight Ortiz had a few years ago against Brad Solomon, who's also slick, a bit of a mover. He gave Ortiz... Some problems in terms of tracking him down early, but Ortiz ultimately got to him and got the stoppage. I think Ortiz gets the stoppage in this one. Take Virgil Ortiz to win. Take Virgil Ortiz to win by knockout. Make yourself some money over at FanDuel. Those are my picks this week. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Virgil Ortiz for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week.
2: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen.